Welcome to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Solomon Timothy. And I am Taylor Rowe. Today's episode, we did another Q&A session. We appreciate you guys sending in all those questions. We actually had to do two episodes of the Q&As because there were so many questions that came in. But we covered a lot of good topics, um, mainly revolving around SEO, some specific questions about uh, migrating a website or duplicating a website and creating multiple versions or copies, questions around subdomains versus subfolders, which one is is better for you? Does it matter? Can you rank a subdomain? Uh, does it matter if you have multiple subdomains? And then we also tackled the question of how do we get backlinks, right? Which is a huge question that uh, a lot of people uh, ask when they're getting into SEO strategy, figuring out what to do with the on-page strategy, uh, and then realizing that we need to get some backlinks. Where do we start? So hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. And uh, of course, if you have any questions of your own, uh, you can submit them yourself uh, to, to our website at 1ims.com slash podcast. Hope you enjoy. Today's episode is questions from our audience. Got a few questions that we're going to try to go over as fast as we can. Love uh, it. So this question is, what are the implications of cloning a website uh, in regards to SEO? Cloning a website, yeah. So basically launching another version of the same website. Which we see on occasion, if you're asking yourself, why would anyone ever make another version of their website? We see a lot with uh, like manufacturer-distributor-type relationships where you, or like even a franchise or something along those lines where it's like, we're going to, as a distributor, we're going to take the content that our manufacturer gives us. Or we resell this technology, so they're going to duplicate this website and they're going to give us a location page for this technology that they resell, something along those lines. So the advantage of this is that it's easy, right? It's without getting into the process, it's a click of a button. Now we have a new website, looks great. You know, someone in the corporate division paid a lot of money for this nice website, the copy, it all makes sense. It represents products or services that we offer. So seems great. From a search standpoint, like you said, you have to look at the implications of what you're doing. So what you're now doing is creating a duplicate version of your website that is going to be indexed within Google. So now, before, what you had was great content, maybe was ranking really well within Google. It was all unique, right? It was unique content. It was your ideas, your content, your pages. You're creating another version of that that is now going to compete and essentially actually not just compete, but negatively impact your existing website because Google doesn't like the duplicate content, right? Why would Google show one website or prioritize one website over the other when it's the exact same content? And why would Google now also... So let's just take that for a second, right? If you look at it and say, okay, well, I'm going to make a duplicate version of my website, it's okay because my website's still going to rank and this new website that I gave them is not going to rank. But it might not work that way because before the reason that you were ranking is that you were seen as a credible and authoritative, you know, industry expert on those subjects that you're talking about. Well, now Google's going to crawl and find this other website and see that maybe you're not as credible as we thought because someone else is just, I mean, you you just have the same content as someone else. So you're actually going to negatively impact both websites, in my opinion, by doing this. And you're certainly not doing any favors to the new website because it doesn't really have a chance to rank because it's a complete ripoff of the other website. So in terms of, is it a good idea or not? If it's a marketing site that is supposed to be found by Google, I would say no. Uh, you can copy the 
framework, the code, essentially the structure, the theme, the layout, everything can be the same, but accept the content. You need to create your own content, uh, rewrite it in your own words, change the images, all this kind of stuff so that it is unique and that it is different. If it is not a site that is intended to be found by Google, then I would even go as far to actually make sure that Google doesn't crawl those pages. Those pages are not indexed, um, which you can do by kind of identifying in the robots.txt file which pages are going to be crawled and which pages yeah, are you're not. You're getting technical. Yeah, well, yeah, I don't want to get too into the weeds there, but basically I would say if you want it to be found in Google, copy the framework, make your own content, your own version of the website, make it unique. If you don't need it to be found by Google, like you just have a landing page that you're copying and you're going to send ads to it or add traffic to it, then make sure those pages are not indexed, essentially. I think it's a great question because uh, if you ask your IT people, they'll say yes and they'll do it. They'll have no idea what the SEO implications are. Yeah, They'll make a hundred version of them for you. And that's often what happens is that, well, we need to give all of these agents or dealers or websites and they'll just go make a hundred. Or you don't ask your IT <laughs> department to do that. That's the solution they come yeah. up with when you say we have to make like you said, a hundred variations of this, they're going to say, well, which is a smart way to think about it, right? From a developer, you're going to look at it and say, well, here's the easiest way to do it. We just copy all these pages, right? right? Swap out the, the logos and the images and it's all the same content because they all offer the same services. But like you said, you're not looking at it from right. an SEO so standpoint. That's uh, that's how it ends up happening. And then, And as an SEO, you look at the site and you start doing some research. You start more copies of the site. You're like... How did this happen? And then you hear the real story. No. <laughs> um, so, so great answer. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. Next question um, is uh, about subdomains. So the question is, should, or I guess like, the question is pretty long-winded, but the, the, I guess, idea behind it is, are subdomains good or bad when it comes to SEO? Um, and so I'll, I'll leave that to you in terms yeah, of... Yeah, you give me the subdomain <laughs> question. Yeah. I, I have, you know, I have my moments with subdomains. I'm not a big fan of them. And so what a subdomain is, just for anyone who might be wondering what's a subdomain, is that relevant for me and my business? So your website, www.whatever.com, is a subdomain. Just mm-hmm. nobody talks about it like that because we're all used to www. Mm-hmm. So the next one could be info. or something else. and something else. And the more subdomains you have, yeah, you can organize your site that way, you know, be like clients.reports. I've seen millions of them. But when you have marketing subdomains, it gets really confusing because you're trying to rank mm-hmm. your website and you're trying to rank your subdomain. <clears throat> so a typical one would be blog. You've seen that over and yep. over. A lot of sites have blog. And if you're trying to rank them with your www. and your blog. And then you're trying to build links, which one are you going to build links to? Is the www. more important than the blog. Yeah. So the two thoughts in these spaces, it doesn't matter. Just build links to wherever it's more relevant. The other is while we're dividing up work in two places, do you want to build to, which one do you want to have more authority, the blog dot or the other one? My personal belief is they're independent domain names. So you have to build its own authority. That's why I don't like them. But everybody in the industry or a lot of people agree that, oh, it doesn't matter. It's the same domain name. The link is going, it's going to spread across. Well, I don't care. I only look at the sites that I am managing and I would prefer not to deal with them. I couldn't care less like all the other billions of sites that are there and how they want to deal with it. I would stay away from it 
personally and work on one www dot or whatever and build all the links to it so that I can get a lot more value for every incremental link mm-hmm. that I'm building and make life easier. I would put instead of blog that, but slash blog. Sure. So what what do you do when you're if you inherit a site um, as a marketer? You come into work at this company, and we have one subdomain or multiple subdomains. A lot of times, like you were explaining, where each category essentially, rather than a subfolder, is a subdomain. Um, what do you do from there when you can't? You know, in a perfect world, like you said, you do it all in the same domain from the beginning. But one. if you're not, then then what would you? Yeah, do? I mean, because <clears throat> we deal with so many different technology, we can understand why. They may inherit that, right? So one example, it's like you if you're running an app, you mm-hmm. can't mix it with your marketing website because it's in a completely different language in Python or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you can't throw it in the same place as a PHP site. So there you have it. Or you have an ASP site and you're trying to run an open source app, which just cannot do it together. Right. So you have to have a subdomain. So if you can migrate some of the content and put it into the main site. Like if it's a blog, it can actually be migrated over from another blog, blog platform. If it can be, I would work on a migration plan and get it over. It doesn't matter, matter how many blogs it is. It can be done yeah. if you're willing to put the time in it. But if you don't want to, it's completely understandable because you like that platform or whatever else. It's very hard. Like We deal with this all the time. But if you're not willing to give up some of those benefits of whatever it is, then it is what it is. But I would consolidate anytime I can. Yeah. Because I'm only going to try to rank one or two of those subdomains. I'm not going to rank all the other ones. It's primarily which one are we going to market? That so that's the point there is that a subdomain doesn't have any less of a chance of ranking. Like you're not putting yourself at a disadvantage because it's a subdomain. But what we're talking about is when you start having multiple domains. So let's say, for example, your homepage is just a landing page and everything that you're trying to rank is in the blog. You're sure. only trying to rank for long-tailed search terms and it's all blog.website.com. And so your all of your authority, all of your content, everything is on the blog, uh, all within subfolders of blog.pro, you know, blog.website.com slash whatever, topic one. Then, in that case, you don't necessarily have to, we're not saying you have to migrate over to the main domain. Where the issue lies is you have the main domain that has content, has a bunch of backlinks to it, has authority, is ranking, getting traffic. Then you have a subdomain one for the blog. Then you have you know topic right. two, and subdomain two, and three, four different subdomains. Because of the structure, like you mentioned, you might have an application that sits on the main domain or something along those lines. And the technologies don't don't talk together, so in that scenario, that's where we see the disadvantage of a subdomain. It's not that if all things were equal, subdomain versus a normal domain, can one rank? Does one outrank the other? Right. Google doesn't care. But you are now have you do have two different websites. Just that's one right. subdomain means you have two different websites. So if you have two different SEO strategies, two different SEO budgets, and you're willing to do that then you can do it that way. So I think what we're trying to get across is that it's our belief, and I, I think it is fact, honestly, that their blog.1ims.com or blog.whatever.com is no different than if you just bought a completely different domain yep. and had a website there. So putting a subdomain is the same as having a completely Correct. unique domain. 
and you're just starting over in many cases. So if you migrated them, you can still do 301 redirect and pass some of that juice to the main site. And for all new outreach and all new backlinks and all the work that you're going to be doing, you're at least consolidating the work. Yep. Otherwise, you'd be like, oh, will you mind putting it to this domain name? And you're like bothering people, trying to move things over because you're trying to sculpt the authority. Works just works against you, especially when you're trying to scale. Uh, and also people would probably not sure where to link it to. Mm -hmm. But subdomain, because only you are the ones having to deal with this. Right. I think you're at a disadvantage by having them. If, if you, you know what I mean? If you end up wanting to really grow and scale. Yeah. Um, so that's, and again, nobody's got unlimited budget, right? So you have to really see what's going to make sense for you in the long run. Spend a lot of time migrating now, then never deal with it again. Mm -hmm. It's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, and actually, even like you said, www.website.com is different than just website.com. So even right. in that scenario, you do need to go into like your Google Search Console and pick which one, which website you want right. to use. Right, they and all then, have to forward it to yeah, each and other. It essentially works just like you're saying, where we're redirecting one to the other. So when you look at it that way, if you have to do it just for www. Imagine if you have sure. all these other subdomains, it just becomes complicated. Um, and it's something that you'd want to steer clear of if you could. Same thing with um, HTTP, HTTPS. Yep. It's, it's a it's completely all, separate it's a different address. I mean, it is a different <laughs> address. It's like, uh, you know, you gave someone directions right. and you just messed up one letter or one number. They're going to end up at a different house. That's <laughs> uh, exactly right. So we, we, so you have to consolidate ideally. But if you can, you can and get it work on backup strategies, right? What can you do differently? Mm. Have more budgets if you need to. Or like you said, we're not going to plan on marketing www. We're just going to try to market blog that. Perfectly great idea. Put all your energy there. Yeah. Or, yeah, the two most common scenarios that we would see is the blog is on a subdomain. It's a different technology than the main website, which is common because the website might be custom developed and the blog is on some sort of more uh, marketer-friendly CMS where you're going to make updates to. Um, the other scenario is, like you said, a software, an application. Uh, a lot of times that application itself will be on a subdomain, which is not what we're talking about. That's perfectly fine because we're talking about pages that need to be found by Google. Um, so pages that are not you know, behind a, a login or a paywall or something like that. We would want them to all be on the same <clears throat> domain. If that is a subdomain, then it needs to be consistent. A lot of times it's a lot cleaner from a URL structure to have it on your main domain and have something else like the application on a subdomain. Hey, thanks for listening. Solomon here. Are you frustrated because you're not getting enough inbound leads? You're worried that the leads that you're getting are not qualified? Or maybe you're disappointed in the conversion rate from the leads to customers, right? It's really, really low. Well, I got good news for you. I talk to business owners every single day. You're not alone. All right, business go through this when there is a lack of strategy sometimes. Uh, maybe the approach isn't appropriate for your situation or sometimes you got all of those things right, but it was just poor execution. I'll tell you what, head over to oneims.com and fill out one of our forms. Talk to one of our consultants. That's all we do. We talk to business owners day in and day out. Share with us your challenges and see if we're a fit, right? See if we can find you a solution to your growing pains. You know, our hope here at OneIMS, and especially with this podcast, is to give you the tools, the technology, the ideas, the strategies, everything we possibly can for you to succeed, all right? So 
thank you for listening. And let's get back to our topic for the day. All right. So I think that's the best answer we can give on subdomain. So here comes the next one, okay. Taylor. How do you acquire backlinks? <clears throat> sure. It's a very open-ended question. All the hard-hitter yeah. questions today. <laughs> um, so there's the, I guess you would say, politically correct or you know, Google-approved message. And then there's the you know, reality of how backlinks work. And I think there's some gray area in between the two that I think a lot of SEOs kind of live in. So we'll just kind of walk through what a backlink is. A backlink is another website that links to your website, right? So how do you get another website to link to your website? Well, you could ask them, right? You have a website. I have a website. I recommend some of your services. I could link to your website and say, hey, check out Solomon's website here. That is a, a backlink. If I register my business at Better Business Bureau and you know, set up a Google My Business page and Yelp page and Facebook page. Those are all links coming to my website as well. So <clears throat> those are kind of some common ones that you can look at. The other thing you have to look at is what is a quality backlink, right? So what Google explains is that you want relevant uh, as well, equally, I guess you would say equally relevant and authoritative websites. So when I say relevant, I mean, if I sell custom uh, thermal forming packaging. I don't want a backlink from my friend who has a website that is a dog walker because their dog walking website is not relevant to my audience and my industry. Um, At the same time, you want it to be authoritative. So just because someone is in your industry um, doesn't mean their website is credible. Uh, And the easiest way to look at that is what is their backlink profile, right? What websites are linking to theirs? Um, and who is you know referencing them? How well known are they in the in the industry? Um, so you want to have at least one of those two that it's either very relevant or it's very credible. Ideally, you have a kind of a perfect combination of the two where uh, it's both relevant and credible. So I say that to say to kind of explain that just getting a link from a local business directory or a chamber of commerce or something like that is likely not going to do everything that you need to do. So that's where the idea of how do I start getting more quality backlinks comes into play. This is where I think a lot of marketers and and business owners struggle because you can can get all the basics kind of out of the way. Here's all the places that we've advertised or supported or sponsored. Um, Here's all the local directories. So we got that figured out. All my friends that have websites or partners that we have, they link to us. So now, now what? So the next question is, this is where I was saying, Google's answer is, if you create very quality content that people find valuable, then when they're writing articles or reviews or research, they're going to link to you, right? But it's a bit of a catch-22 because they can't link to you unless they can find your content. And they can't find your content unless you have links to it. Right. So what common what is common in the industry would be things like guest posts, guest posting opportunities. So uh, because that website that you're trying to get a link from is in the same industry, you likely have some value that you can bring to that audience. So a lot of SEOs will, and we would do go through an outreach strategy to identify websites that are both relevant and authoritative and reach out to them. You can find their email address, you can reach out to them on social media, you can fill out their contact form, and essentially say, hey, I you know, saw that you wrote this article about X, Y, and Z. 
I also have a lot of insight in that industry and I think some value that I could add to your audience. Would you mind if I contributed to your blog as a, a guest author? Um, so this is a very common practice that, that people would do and they would write a new post, a unique post um, on that website and get a link back in exchange for giving some value to that audience. A lot of times people will exchange. So, and I think you want to be careful of this because you don't want to just give a link to get a link, but a lot of times that can happen as well as they would agree, yes, you can write a guest post on my website, but I want to write one on yours. Um, I would do that only in scenarios where it makes sense for you. Um, the other opportunity, same sort of ideas at reach, but um, rather than a guest post would be a mention from an, an existing piece of content. Uh, I would argue that this action might be more valuable because that content probably in that page already has some authority. So what that would look like is I just, same scenario, I'm reaching out to this website and you say, I noticed you wrote this article X, Y, and Z. Uh, would you mind linking to my article? Because I think there's a lot of value that I added on where you ended off, or, you know, where you left off. So your page already exists, their page already exists. They're just editing their existing article to link to yours. So rather than a brand new page that's never been crawled, indexed, doesn't have any authority to it, it might be already a page that has some traffic, has some authority. Um, I think that, like I said, is maybe one step above like a traditional guest post. Other ways to get backlinks, some, I guess, less common practice from an SEO perspective would be like a, a press release. Um, we do a lot for our clients and for ourselves is to, to get press releases, all sorts of different press release sort of channels. Um, those are a great way to get them out, you know, kind of right away. Uh, and then there's also higher level sort of like industry publications or just higher level publications in general. Um, I know you get published a lot in like Forbes and Inc. Magazine and those sorts of things. Um, and then there's obviously industry specific publications where same idea as a guest posting opportunity, but you have to work more closely with those uh, editors of those publications. Um, and a lot of times they have a lot longer lead time before that article would actually get published. So the idea is just you have to have something valuable to offer to whatever audience that is, unless it's just a, uh, a directory listing, right? Um, and then the side of it, like I said, that <clears throat> maybe Google won't tell you is they, they want you to just write the content rather than be proactive. But sometimes there is from all those opportunities, people will ask for money, right? It's a sponsorship opportunity. Essentially, if you're going to write an article on my website or you're going to get published in this publication, you have to pay for that access or pay for some sort of content contribution fee, right? Because that's how that publication makes money. So that's the piece where you have to kind of figure out, is it worth for me to spend money? Uh, and obviously, you don't want to... What you want to avoid is just buying random links from random websites, uh, just with no control over the process. Um, if it's an exchange for your opportunity to contribute content to a publication, uh, it's a little bit different. So that's those are kind of the, the yeah. main ways, you, I think. Are you saying not buy links from Fiverr? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Fiverr <laughs> or any of those type of where someone says, hey, I'll get you 10,000 links for 18 cents. Mm. Wow. It's there a good goes, deal. <laughs> there goes my backlink idea. I guess, I mean, I would say just one thing, right? The yeah. easier it is to get, the less valuable that link is. Yeah. That's the it's whole the same, thing about it. It's the same idea, yeah, with the, the buying the link. If it's that easy to get, I mean, it, what Google looks at, so the other thing between relevant and authoritative, 
the Google also looks at how often that website links out to other people and how often that website links out with a do follow link, right? Yeah. So if it is a very authoritative website, meaning a lot of people are linking to it and they're kind of stingy and they don't link out to a ton of websites, there's a lot more value for you to get that link than, like you said, a, a, a link where anybody anybody contribute on right. medium.com, go ahead, bring your articles and then you, everyone has links from it. It's authoritative, but also anyone can get it. So it it's, doesn't have as much sort of clout there. Yeah, I think that was a that's a great way to put it. The easier it is, the less likely that's going to do anything to your ranking. So work on getting those harder publications, yeah. the ones that are actually, I mean, I look at it like, do they have an audience? Yeah. Does this website have Facebook page and its own Twitter page? And that to me speaks a lot, right? Like Traffic, how often is that so. getting updated? Because obviously Google could, Google could tell better than we can. So you can't just fake it and stick a link and think it's going to do something for you, which is why I'm and also you, against buying just links and just trying if to... You can, if you can do it that way or you can fake Google, um, they'll figure it out, right? Yeah. That's the thing. Eventually. That, that's where when people, when you hear people like, oh, we got hit by this algorithm update, it's because of that. It's that you were doing something that worked to cheat the system and then they figured it out and then Correct. it's not working. They're not always the fastest, but they will catch you right. at some point. Like directory submissions no <clears throat> longer works. Just yeah. silly things like that people used to do, buying backlinks and social this and that, just doesn't work, unfortunately, because you can easily write a little one line in their algorithm and devalues all of those links. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's a that's a wrap for this episode. Do you have any other questions? Anything? Want to get it out? No, that's this good. This would be the moment. Yeah, it's, it's great questions. I, we appreciate you guys uh, writing in and submitting those questions. So uh, if you have more questions for future episodes, you can go to oneims.com slash podcast. Uh, submit the questions. And uh, next time we do a, a Q&A session, we'll, we'll filter through those and uh, answer the what we think is the best question, the most commonly asked questions. Yep. Thanks a lot for tuning in and we will see you next time. All right. So if you enjoyed this episode, here are five things that you could do to help us. Number one, make sure you click that subscribe button so you never miss another show. Number two, share this with a friend that you know needed to hear this. All right. And three, leave us a comment. We love hearing your thoughts, your ideas, things that you've learned so others can learn from you. And four, if you have a topic that you'd like us to cover, let us know so we can put that in our notes and share our insight All right, for our next episode or the one after that. And finally, you guys, join other growth marketers, head over to oneims.com and check out all the resources that we have made just for you. I'm talking guides, webinars, blogs, videos, anything that could help you become a growth marketer. All right. So thanks a lot for joining us this week on the Growth Marketers Podcast, and I will see you next time.